0: Here's what's coming up on today's show.
1: A will is a necessary document because if at the very least you have a will, things are going to end up where you want them to. Now, once you have the bare minimum,
0: you can start going towards better options. It's time for financial advisor Ben Schrock. To give you the keys to retiring with confidence, this is Unlocking Your Financial Future.
2: Hello, I'm Ben Schrock, and welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Your Financial Future. And joining me back with part two is Joel Cavanaugh. Joel, welcome back. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me back. You bet. So, part one, uh, for those of you that haven't list- listened, um, we talked a little bit about Joel getting to know him as a person, uh, what took him down this path to his attorney uh, law degree, and then practicing attorney. Um, and and running a business and all the ins and outs of that, so you can check in on that. But this time we're going to talk a little bit about the estate planning, more of the stuff that is relevant to our business and things that we see with our clients. So uh, I'm just going to fire questions and
1: yeah. I, honestly, I'm way more comfortable with part two than part one. Yeah, there we go. I'll talk about this <laughs> stuff. All day. talking about myself is like ugh. it's tough. Isn't yeah, it? I like asking the questions so that learn. Right? That's fair. So
2: when it comes to estate planning, I've said in many meetings with you and clients, and and I always learn, so it's always beneficial. But, you know, as a blanket statement, Joel, what what are the main documents that that people, I don't say must have, but, you know, probably should definitely have or think about having at any point in their life?
1: Yeah, I'd say a bare minimum, uh, a will, a financial power of attorney, and a medical power of attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the likelihood is, we're all going to die. Yeah, uh, It's not fun to think about, but outside of a few men in a book I've read once, uh, not many people make it out of this life alive. Sure. Uh, and so having a will really helps because when you do pass, you can either choose how you want your things distributed and who's managing that, uh, and you make it simple, or you let state law decide. And state law, it's to put it this way, I always tease people and say... Um, I'm rooting for you not to have a will as the lawyer, because I trade in time and complexity and nothing's more complicated than an estate without a will.
2: (laughs) And dealing with the state. Yeah.
1: So um, the other components of that are the financial and medical power of attorney, because um, the alternatives to that uh, just aren't pleasant. Um, So having someone that can make financial decisions or medical decisions for you is really beneficial.
2: Sure. So when it comes to the, those three docs basically, uh, at what point in time do people, should
1: people have those? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I believe that everybody after the age of 18 mm-hmm. should have some form or semblance of those documents. They're not extremely difficult to put together. Uh, and the likelihood is that the facts in them are only gonna change slightly over time. Statistically speaking, yeah, m- most of us will grow old and die when we're old. And so maybe you don't need one till later, but the reality is none of us know. Yeah. Uh, and so because it's such an important thing to take care of, I'd almost say as soon as you're 18, especially if your kids are going to go to college, mm-hmm. um, you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. So uh, having that taken care of is just one less burden that you'll have to carry on.
2: And I think it's something, too, where the longer you wait, the easier it is to procrastinate. Oh. I'm guilt. We're guilty of that, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean both of us really, you just kind of kick that can down the road. I'll deal with it. And then the first kid comes, well, maybe wait till the second. Oh, you just look for those excuses to just kind of delay, delay, delay. And then before something happens, fortunately you get that stuff done or he- unfortunately you're
1: stuck. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me just from doing it so much that, um, the number one comment I hear about, you know, hey, we put it off for so long and, and we've been fine and we've been fine till now, but we're thankful we did it and it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So I think that's what I would impress on people is it's not fun to think about your mortality or, or sure. losing your competency, but if you work with the right person, it's, it's going to be pretty pain-free yeah. and it's a box you can check off and not think about.
2: Well, and I think too, Joel, and, and you know, you love to make fun of attorneys as does everyone else sure i think people are (laughs) oftentimes just they're they're scared that they're going to get sold something they don't need right i'm going to sell you this trust that's going to cost you ten thousand dollars i mean i can tell you from the scale of of clients that set with us i've paid ten thousand down to you know three thousand dollars for a trust and i'm just thinking holy smokes you know what they're is no set price, I guess, because they can pay whatever they want for it. And people are f- afraid of that.
1: Yeah. And and I understand. Um, I'll always tease clients at the start of a meeting and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to bore you, but information is power. And so I can choose to keep all the power on this side of the table, or I can inform you so that you're making a good decision. Sure. Um, so I think, uh, like I said, if you're working with the right person, it really isn't that that's scary of an endeavor so
2: when it comes to let's kind of segment out these documents the the you know healthcare power of attorney and financial power of attorney those are probably the easiest docs uh, in my opinion right to understand what uh, can you explain briefly what does each document do then we'll kind of transition to that will and then really dive into what who needs a trust when is a trust relevant because um, again i get that question all the time should i have a trust, okay. I have a trust? Um,
1: you uh, and me both i don't know i'm not an attorney <clears throat> right that's my easy answer for me Um, Yeah. So I'd say the financial power of attorney and the medical power of attorney are definitely easier conceptually uh, than a lot of the other documents. And I'll always tell people estate planning I I see as a two-sided coin. So on one side of the coin, we're addressing with the will and the trust, what happens to our stuff when we die? Mm -hmm. And how does it get from us to our beneficiaries? And what's the best way? Uh, The powers of attorney are the other side of the coin. And the the dividing line is whether we're alive or whether we've died. Yeah. Um, if you're alive, the question becomes, if you lose the ability to make financial and medical decisions, who, who can do that for you and how? And uh, a power of attorney generally from a legal sense is just a, a document where you as a principal are appointing an agent and that's someone that can stand in your shoes and make decisions on your behalf. Uh, and the document will lay out what the parameters and authority of, of that decision making is. and so. Uh, in the financial power of attorney, we're dealing with things like being able to deposit money into the bank and, and paying your bills and, and filing your tax returns, just the day-to-day stuff you wouldn't even think about. Sure. Uh, but it's a practical problem, right? You you lose your ability to function, and Dominion, so, the gas company, is not going to say, ah, it's fine. Yeah. You know, we'll come back in six months. You know, yeah. They're going to shut your gas off. You need right. somebody to keep that going. Uh, and so that's what powers of attorney do. Uh,
2: I guess— that the fear that i hear a lot from people is saying well if i give my financial power of ter- power of attorney to this person well they can just take my money right do they have to be incapacitated for that to trigger or could you know Caitlin, my wife my financial power of attorney just come in and just write checks Well,
1: she could do that anyway yeah but... <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's the funny part is right. i always answer with that with is it a joint account yeah. cuz you're already there <laughs> right but uh yeah no i'd say um that's a, a good question we get asked a lot. There's multiple different ways to write the powers of attorney. Uh, we as a default, and I'd say most attorneys as a default, use what are called just standard powers of attorney, where um, they're called durable in that the minute you sign them, they're effective. Okay. So your power of attorney can act concurrently with you. At the same time, we can have what are called springing powers of attorney. Uh, that's where they're only applicable and effective when you are incompetent most people think they want that version um, but when you start to kind of uh, bend them a little bit it's okay so you're out of town at a work function but you have to sell your real estate well you can't sell it till you come back unless you've got a poa that can stand there or um, even with some folks we say okay and when you become incompetent, you're now forcing your agent to have to go through the rigmarole of proving you're incompetent, sure. showing the bank you're incompetent before they can pay your bills. Or
2: it's something as simple I've seen with clients who, uh, you know, as they age their hands, right, neuropathy mm-hmm. of their fingers, so they can't even sign a check because yep. they can't even hold a pen. Yep. They're not incompetent. They just can't sign. Yet, so I, they I th- technically won't trigger it, right? right?
1: And I think of my grandfather with that. I mean, he was... Mentally fit till the day he died. Yeah. And two years before he died, he told my mother, I'm done. Here's my checkbook. You're my POA. You go for it. Now, had he had a springing power of attorney, you know, come on, grandpa, you got to pay your own bills till the day you die. Right. Um, but because of that, he was able to relinquish that control. My mom handled it. And, and what I'd say is that most, with most folks that have that question to me, I say, well, that's why it's important you trust the person you're doing. So do you trust your kid? Oh, yeah, with my life. Well, then why are you worried? Right. So you either trust them or you don't. You know. Exactly. And the, the alternative is uh, a guardianship. And mm-hmm. so guardianship is where the court appoints your kid, maybe. And mm-hmm. if two kids fight, they're going to appoint me as the attorney to pay your bills. Now, I can't pay the bills unless I ask the court permission. And if I ask the court permission, I'm going to bill my hourly rate to do. I mean, it's just the risk is far outweighed by the benefits of it.
2: Definitely. And now when we get to things like the will, again, a common misconception that I see is people think I have a will, I'm covered, which I think it's better than not having a will, but... Um, a lot, I don't think a lot of people will understand that will, wills are for probatable assets, right?
1: Yeah, like, that's correct. The will only speaks to the probate court. Yeah. Um, so I always tell people, uh, a will is a necessary document because if at the very least you have a will, things are going to end up where you want them to. Sure. Now, once you have the bare minimum, you can start going towards better options. And so um, I always think that It's either a trust or it's other ways of non-probate transfers that are more efficient from a time and money standpoint than just having a will. Okay. Um, Not to, you know, understate the importance of a will, but um, for most folks, avoiding probate is going to be very advantageous. Yeah. Uh, Because... Probate takes a lot of time and is way more complicated than than simple non-probate transfers. Sure, and
2: it can, can get expensive, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when it comes down to a, you know, does every, everyone, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, everyone should have a will, right? Absolutely. Everyone should have those power of attorneys, right? And then trusts. Yeah. You know, are trust meant for everyone. I know it's a a loaded question. We could probably spend an hour talking about it, but where do you see trust making sense? Is it strictly on the the client, the clients driving that their situation, or is it more on, hey, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you, you sound like a good candidate for a trust? Because it's not necessarily to me asset-wise. Everyone always thinks that I have hundred thousand dollars, I don't need a trust. Or I yeah. have ten million I need a trust type yeah. concept. Right? I,
1: I get that all 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 day long. And and first off I try to poke that bubble and tell yeah. people, you know, even if you've only only got a hundred thousand you worked your butt off for. Sure. It. Like do what makes sense to you to keep it. You yeah. Know? Um, but I would say that for me, um, what drives a person to need a trust is more situational or circumstantial. Um, than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always say that, that trusts are for people with either extreme wealth, uh, and typically that's around 12, 13 million per person, per person. Uh, or complex assets, complex beneficiaries. So um, if you have a business that's operating, it's going to be hard for somebody to operate that if you only have a will. Because when you only have a will, uh, you're going to end up with some lag time because by the time you pass away we need to wait two weeks for a death certificate then we're filing documents with a court who maybe they get to it in the next five to six weeks who knows Uh, but a trust everything happens privately and instantly so we can install a trustee to take over and and run your business for you so that we don't have any gaps there Uh, or complex beneficiaries so um, you've got a kid that really struggles to manage money or is just too young to be able to manage money, uh, a trust is really the only way to string out distributions and to have a little bit more oversight and control. Um, Because a trust really is a property management contract. So uh, you're essentially, and this is why, again, we can poke fun at lawyers, right? You've heard me make this joke before. But a trust is really you agreeing with yourself to give yourself your stuff to manage for yourself. And the benefit of that is that you also get to lay out the terms of what happens when you die. Yeah. So I can say, I can say well, my kids are eight, six, and four. If I die before they're 30, I don't want them to get the money. They're going to blow it. So yeah. let's have my brother-in-law manage the money because he's going to stand as a filter and be able to manage that money in, in my stead the way that I would if I was there. Sure. Uh, so I think, I think that's the utility of trusts is being able to more closely control how your money is managed if you're not there to manage it yourself makes
2: sense and you know the the complexity aspect of it and and like you said the the thing that always resonated with me from a trust was that it's handled privately i i, I think that is like when it i don't know what meeting we were sat in but we were sat in with a client and you said that, and it just kind of like the, the stars align, ding, ding. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, it's this makes so much sense because it's handled outside the courts. It's a contract that, that that trustee can handle privately. And that made so much sense to me when you said it that way.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny the things you'd never think about until you hear someone else say them. Yeah. Or, um, that clicked for me. Um, I had a client who wanted to do a trust, and she really didn't have a need to. No complex assets, wasn't extremely wealthy really didn't have complex beneficiaries. And she said, my parents only did a will. And when they both passed, I inherited a couple hundred thousand dollars. Because it's a public record, all of her colleagues at work saw what she was getting. No kidding. And she said, they treated me differently. When we would go out to lunch, it was no longer, yeah, don't worry, I got this one. It was, nah, you can get that. You know, why don't you get mine too? Because wow. they, it's public, it's available. I mean, people know what you're inheriting. Uh, honestly, people will see your address. Uh, the only wow. thing the court's going to redact are bank account numbers and social security numbers. But
2: I don't want to know what kind of colleagues are looking at the. Uh, uh, it it <laughs> blew my mind because I'm never like, never thought about that. That's I do crazy. this for a living, and yeah. I'd
1: never think to look that up. But wow, but there's all kinds of people out there.
2: Yeah, so I mean, technically, someone could, you know. Just title everything properly, right? We talk about in our world having beneficiaries, having things in line. However, you know, there's. I always use the example of if you can imagine it in your head happening, that's where a trust comes into play to control it from not happening, right? Where, you know, if if you envision uh, leaving money to a child and then something happens to them, the the in-law gets remarried. It's just the, the the web that you can draw up if you imagine it happening that's where trust can prevent that from happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I, I teased somebody today, I said, you know, your trust is a blueprint. And I said, the beauty of a blueprint is that it specifically lays out every single thing that you want to happen. Yeah. I said, you know, you wouldn't go into a building project and have a blueprint and say, well, the building's going to be, eh, I don't know, like 50-ish feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's going to be made of, I don't know, some kind of stone. Like, no, yeah. like you can specifically lay out yeah what you want to happen and when you want it to happen. and um, Like I said, for, for some people, it may work out that naming beneficiaries or joint owners mm-hmm. is, is way more efficient, and a trust is not something they need. But for the folks that need a trust, I mean, it's pretty slick how it works. Yeah, it is.
2: And real quick, too, I don't, we don't need to go in too much into the weeds because I know we can spend a whole other hour talking about that. Revocable. Am I saying right I hear people yeah. say revocable or yeah. irrevocable or potato? potato. Said, yeah, revocable. Although I've never said potato. <laughs> Me either. Um, differences between the two and again I always hear I have my, my stuff's in a trust, it's protected from Medicaid you know, where, where where's that line and and how are things, are people sometimes misinterpreting what they really have? Is it absolutely,
1: absolutely. I I would say Mm. that nine times out of 10, and and I feel pretty confident using that, that people tell me, Oh no, no, no. My trust is going to protect stuff from Medicaid. It doesn't. Right. Uh, It's a very stark difference. Um, so for estate planning purposes, we're worried about what happens to your stuff when you die? Mm. How does it get from you to your beneficiaries? Is in a trust is an appropriate method to get it there very efficiently. Um, but in estate planning, we're using what are called revocable intervivos vivos trusts. So you're the grantor, you set up the agreement, you lay out the terms the trustee's got to follow. During your life, you're the beneficiary. Uh, you're also probably the trustee. So if uh, Medicaid comes in or some kind of government benefit that you're receiving challenges that, mm-hmm. They're looking at, do you have access to the asset? Do you benefit from the assets in the trust? Can you control where the... Well, in a revocable trust, yes, because it's your stuff. You're just putting it there as a vehicle to pass it to the next generation more efficiently. An irrevocable trust is different in that you may be the grantor. You may be making the agreement and transferring your assets in it, but you're not going to manage it. Somebody else is going to be the trustee and typically to protect from Medicaid or any kind of government uh, benefits you're going to cut yourself off of access and benefit and control it's it's kind of like a game of chicken of i'm willing to relinquish all i all right title and interest in these assets to this trust and never get them back sure so you can't count them against me yeah so that tends to be the big difference is whether whether you've got that access benefit control and control aspect, right? it one is one has
2: control one doesn't and typically and maybe i'm wrong but typically i've always looked at it as Revocable is usually attached to a social security number. Irrevocable has its own tax identification number.
1: It can. Okay, so it still can be. It can to? now uh, without trying to get in the weeds. <laughs> yes, uh, because the Internal Revenue Code, and the IRC. Yeah. Uh, it has certain components that define what's a grantor trust versus what's not, and okay. the presumption is you're right uh, that an irrevocable trust needs a separate tax identification number. Unless it qualifies as a grantor trust gotcha. and so uh, most most attorneys that dabble into you know irrevocable trust or asset protection trusts, uh, we use a term called uh, an intentionally defective grantor trust, okay. so the idea is that i 'm making an irrevocable trust, but i 've got a provision or two that the IRS is going to look at and go, "Oh well, because you 've got that one provision we 'll just use the social gotcha
2: so. That's more maybe business owner, tax, right? Am I, yeah. am I getting down that right line? Yeah. Okay. So more niche type. Um. Very.
1: And it's, you know, you can do that with, uh, estate tax planning. Sure. So we've had clients where, you know, they've got 50, 60 million bucks yeah. and we're doing a, a, an intentionally defective grantor trust to try to mitigate estate taxes yep. or get something out of their taxable estate. Um, we also do it for clients with Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, You know, you've got seven rental properties in an LLC. You don't want to lose the income stream, but you also don't want to lose the assets if you go on Medicaid. Sometimes that irrevocable trust can be a way to have your cake and eat it too.
2: Makes sense. Interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: learn something
2: new today. That's right. My wheels are always spinning. When you said that, I'm like, that makes sense as to why someone would do it that way. Oh, it's fun. I mean, you you can
1: manipulate multiple rules because you can you can pull on the rules for an LLC where it's I can be a member managed and I can just run my own LLC or I can consider myself a manager. Sure. And I can manage it until I can't and I'm getting a salary. Yeah. Which is all the income stream until I go to a nursing home and then. When, no when Yeah, when Medicaid says, well, what happened to your income? I got fired. I can't manage it <laughs> right. if I'm incompetent. <laughs> Brilliant. It's what attorneys do. Yeah. We, we try to find loopholes, and we find the smallest of cracks, sure. and we just kind of wiggle our fingers in them yeah. until they're bigger.
2: I mean, keep it a secret, right? <laughs>
1: That's it, and then you <laughs> charge a premium for that information because it's power. That's it. Only if
2: you could trademark that, like trademark one piece of the law. So you right. Could- no, um but no it is it's interesting because I, I hear that all the time and it's and it's uh you know from from not being an attorney and just basically coming back and saying well that I don't think that's the case call this guy I, you know there's a line that we can't cross obviously because sure. we're not attorneys but um, we hear that all the time I, I'm everything's protected it's in a trust it's in you know the house that my favorite is my IRAs in a trust and I like, well that that's virtually impossible so um it's not but neither here nor there so um, thanks for clearing up the revocable, irrevocable. Yeah. And, and, and that is something that I think is so many times misconstrued. And, and I don't know if they go to like a, a seminar sometimes where they hear an attorney talk and, and they get sold a trust and yeah. it's all protected, right? It,
1: it often happens. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things too where people tend to hear what they want to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, true. I had a meeting with a guy where... Uh, He talked for about 40 minutes of the 45-minute conference, and I just kind of nodded my head, and he shared his thoughts and told me I was the best attorney he's ever met with, and he agreed with everything I said. And I was like, well, sure, you just just gave yourself (laughs) your advice. Right. So it can be a little bit of both. Sure. Awesome. Anything
2: else you want to add from an estate planning that I missed from, like, your average person? Anything else out there that people need to think about or anything that we didn't cover?
1: No, I mean, I think we covered quite a bit, um, but I'd say that um, if you don't have an estate plan, you definitely should sit down with someone. Yeah. Um, it's it's not as scary as you'd think to do. Um, and like I said, information is power. So yeah. even if you sit down with someone and don't go through with planning, at least you're going to get a little bit more information that can help you make better decisions for your assets. and. Sure. Um, I, I always implore people to think, too, through the logic. I get a lot of people that say, well, what will I care? I'm dead. Yeah. Which I, I'm i prone to that sure. kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, but I always try to lay it out for them and say, sure. And so what you're saying is, I don't really care about my loved ones. Yeah. They'll deal with the crap when I die. <laughs> right. Like, you don't want to saddle your loved ones with a huge headache, yeah. uh, especially at a time where they're going to be pretty vulnerable and hurting anyway. Yeah. So and uh, likely
2: if, to make bad decisions potentially. Oh, right? Absolutely. I um, mean, if nothing more. You're putting that barrier there, that buffer from them making that bad decision.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: No, that's good stuff. Yeah, and and I would would echo what you said. It's important to sit down with someone and have that conversation. Not legal Zoom or you know. Again, if you do legal Zoom, not knocking you, not saying that's an issue, but. Um, th- that computer's not really talking back at you and asking you questions. So,
1: no, and it's one of those where, you know, the reason that people hate attorneys is the law is extremely complicated and mm-hmm. nuanced. And so, for broad strokes, do a will on legal zoom. Yeah. But if you messed some little nuance up, it all goes Night up work. in flames. Right. Yeah, so,
2: Well, good deal, man. Well, I I appreciate you spending some time with me today. And, uh, Joel, I'll let you plug in your information here. If you have any questions, I would really encourage you just to reach out to Joel and his team, and and they'd be happy to answer those questions. How can they reach you, Joel?
1: Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. So you can call my office. Uh, The number is 330-253-2227. Uh, you can reach me by email at J-O-E-L at biz biz, uh, and I'd be happy to help.
2: Awesome. And if you guys have any questions for us, you can always reach out to our office at 330-473-1060 or look us up online, www.bashrock-fg.com. Joel, really enjoyed it, man. Um, we'll get you back on here. Maybe talk some complex cases, and I I won't really ask any questions, just let you talk for like an hour or so. All right. I love
1: it. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Ben. I appreciate you. Investment advisory services offered through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management, Inc., a registered investment advisor. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement. This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation.